and Billy was a real good encouragement to me. He was, yeah, Dad went for years and years living off credit cards just to get that thing up and going. I did not want that to be prophetic, but it was. And we, uh, and, and, uh, we didn't have a clue. We had 50 cents and the opportunity. And Billy and Bill tell me, they gave me two words of advice. Here's what their advice was to me. Do it. Do it. That can be very dangerous. And I was thinking, well, if we get about 50 grand together, we should be just fine. Little did I know it was going to cost us a couple of million dollars to do this. But I'm convinced now that God did not choose us because we were smart. We were just dumb enough not to ask the right questions. That's why he chose us. And uh, so, uh, but today, uh, Uncion, we're in a market of 600,000 people. It's not that, listen, it's not the number one television, Christian television station in the region. It is the number one station in all of the region of that part of Ecuador. Number one. And we are unashamedly uh, Christians and believers and do everything from a Christian worldview. We have, but if you want to see the, this is cool. You want to see the very best news in town? Not church news, news, news. You want to see the very best news in town? You turn on our television station. You want to see the very best sports? You turn on our television station. When the president comes to our part of the country, he comes to our television station. And listen to this. Since the day we opened, we have led now on an average of 10,000 people to Christ each and every year since we opened on there. 150,000 decisions for Christ. Uh, and, And so what can I say? God's been good. He has been good, and I thank God for this family. You have encouraged us along the way, and and we are very, very grateful. And um, I want to say something else, and Billy probably doesn't know this. My son is also a missionary. Our daughter is a missionary. One of the very first, if not the first individual to support my son, Seth, uh, was uh, Billy and his wife. And uh, that encouraged him so much. This morning I talked to him uh, by uh, Skype, and he says, he says, Dad, tell Billy I'm still here doing what he has donated for me to do, and he is one of the biggest encouragements of my life. So, Billy, thank you for encouraging my son. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak very long. And the reason why is somebody's taking me out to dinner today with my wife. And I don't want to be in the back of the line. How many people say amen? <laughs> um but it was something interesting. Um, I sensed, I, I, I thought, what am I doing here on Mother's Day of all days? But uh, the Lord spoke to me uh, very clearly. And, and, and here's what he said to me. He says, uh, you know, in, in your inner mind, in your, in your heart, he says, you are not there because of your schedule. But you are there because of my schedule. And because I have something I want to say to a group of individuals. So with that in mind, would you pray with me? And would you pray this prayer, Jesus, to say to me just the things you want to say to me today. And speak to me. And I give you permission to do just what you want to do in my heart and my life. I give you permission to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to read a verse of scripture that the Lord gave me for specifically mothers, but obviously we can all appreciate of what is being said. This is uh, post-resurrection. It's in John chapter uh, 14, specifically verse 27. Uh, But you have to understand that 
It's post-resurrection, but there is a lot of doubt. There's a lot of confusion. Matter of fact, Peter says, I'm going to go back to fishing, folks. He'd given that up a long time before, but he said, I'm not very good at this apostle, this follower of Jesus stuff, but I can fish. And he goes back to fish, and he makes a mess of that, by the way. I have to thank God just sort of snickers. <laughs> and um, so there, there's doubt, there's confusion, there's fear. And Jesus says this. I'm reading from um, a, a current translation, and it says, I am leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Now, this is, uh, these are very powerful words of Christ, and, and everything that's been done today so far, lines, every song, Brother Bill, lines up with what the Lord has laid on my heart. And we, we didn't plan this, but we can see how God, what Billy had to say in the special song, and the songs chosen for worship. But Jesus is, he understands what is going on. And all of Israel was looking for a peace that a, that a human, that a man, that a ruler could bring. And Jesus finally says it, okay, I'm going to give you peace. Now, it's not a, a peace out. <laughs> it's a peace that this world cannot give. is something they don't have to offer. And it's a gift. And I'm giving it specifically to you as my disciples. Now, let me back up and say this for mothers. I, by God's grace, I happen to have a mama. I'm married to a mama. My daughter is a mama. And I know this from pastoring a large congregation in South America. Mothers struggle. And it's just not with the childbirth is before they ever decided to have babies, they struggled. Because they are many times very dependent on that partner for their life, their husbands. So life is a mystery. Much stress comes with them. Then just the fact of how will I raise this child? And then at the birth of the child, what will become of this baby? And then after they're even grown, I can still see it in my wife's face today. There's struggles. And I'm going to be very honest with you. It's the women of our lives, the mothers of our lives, that I believe struggle the most. And if there is not a word for better today, is this word right here. And he says, I am giving you a gift. That's powerful. Now, do you understand what's going on? The creator of this universe and everything beautiful that you find in it has decided to give you, Mom, and, by God's grace, us guys, a gift. It's nothing that this world has to offer. Jesus says, my gift is much more than this world could ever give you. It's a satisfaction, a sense of security that you cannot get anywhere but from me. Now, sadly, many gifts sit on the shelf unopened. Nothing sadder than Christmas Day opening gifts and seeing a couple 
unwrapped because they are not there to receive their gift. The gift was given, but it was not opened. And that is what happens so many times. We've been given this incredible gift, but it sits there unattended and unopened. And so how do we unwrap this gift? And the Apostle Paul makes it so very clear in the book of Philippians chapter 4. You have to understand that when Paul is writing this, he is in one of the toughest situations of his life. He's in prison, facing death. And in chapter 4, here's what he says in response to Jesus' teaching about this gift from Christ himself. He says, verse chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious for anything. But notice this now. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Just what Jesus had referred to. And the peace of God. And he qualifies it. He says, not a gift that comes from this world, because it says here, a peace which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds will not let you become stupid. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to let you go crazy. I'm going to give you a peace that will keep you steady. But how did Paul unwrap this gift? He says through what? Through thanksgiving. Now, he is not just teaching us of the theological lessons. No, he had experienced that. Remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they're in prison. It's the middle of the night. They're bound in chains. And what do they do? They begin to worship God and give thanks to the Lord. And it's the thanksgiving that unwraps the gift that gives us that peace that will hold you firm, that will hold you strong, that will put it all into perspective. And I don't know of any greater gift this morning. And the thing that we're all looking for is that peace that passes all understanding. I was from, flying from the capital city of Quito to Cuenca, our city. A little 45-minute flight. And uh, I'm sitting next to two gentlemen of the city who I know. They did not know who I was, but I knew who they were because they were the two wealthiest men of our city. They owned the city, as they said. As we sit there, they strike up a conversation because I am an American. They want to know what I'm doing there. And I told them who I am. And I told them I am pastoring uh, Centro Cristiano de Cuenca in the Circumvalación. Anybody here speak Spanish? Anybody say, yeah. Algunos. Hey, que bien, mi hermano. Que Dios le bendiga. I think I mentioned the last time I was here, the... One of my first times preaching in Spanish, I was going to tell the gringos to go hug the Latinos. And you'd say that by saying, Vaya de abrazar a los gringos. That's well, right? That's it. Yeah, I'm saying that. Vaya de abrazar a los gringos. Go and hug a gringo. Because we had gringos visiting us there. But I mixed up my verbs. Instead of using the word abrazar, I used the verb embarazar, which, which means to impregnate. And so I told our whole, all the congregation to go and impregnate all the gringos. They love that church. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's flying next to me, and, uh, and I tell him what we're doing there, and then he starts telling me everything he has. This is kind of weird. I mean, everybody knows who he is. Now he's telling me everything he has. 
talking about his cars, his houses, his properties, where he travels to, what he can do. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, is he just trying to make me feel, you know, worse than I already feel? And uh, and, I, and I'm sort of, oh yeah, okay, okay. Then he stops, looks me squarely in the eyes. He said, "But tell me, sir, how to have peace." Now, now I'm, I'm not picking on rich people because I know a lot of poor people don't have peace. It has nothing to do with that at all. I mean, peace is great. I've, I've been poor with peace, and I've had a little bit of more money with peace, and I just soon have a little more money with peace. And I, <laughs> however, uh, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that Christ gives us, and the gift is sitting there for you today, which is open just through thanksgiving. It's not what this world can offer you. Because if I'm not mistaken, every single time, this world will disappoint you. And it will let you down. <clears throat> Connie and I were pastoring in, in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, a little church we call it Calvary. It was our very first church. Um, and we had a little girl, Leah. Uh, and um, then she became pregnant with our first little boy named Billy. Now, I'm not telling this story because I think my story is unique, and I'm definitely not looking for a pity party, but maybe I can identify with some of you. Maybe I can help you unwrap the gift this morning. Um, everything was going uh, perfectly well. We went. Uh, she went, Connie went into labor, and uh, then the doctors informed me that the baby is breached, and we will, uh, you will not be able to be with her uh, in delivery. And little did they know, I, I snuck around through a room and I was able to look through the crack of the hinged door and looked right into the delivery room. And I could see them uh, give, doing uh, a C-section. And I could watch my baby being born. And when uh, they took Billy out, uh, he was black. And uh, I just started sinking into the floor. And uh, I could hear Connie saying, can you give me my baby? They said, no, we're going to take care of a couple of um, I finally wheeled her back, and the doctors came out, and the two doctors standing there that day said, uh, Pastor McDonald uh, said, uh, your little boy is going to die. And, uh, and they said, but we have not informed your wife. Uh, you will need to tell her that. We think it would be best if it came from you. And so uh, I remember walking from that hospital, that, that delivery room area, uh, down that hallway. It's the longest hallway of my life, Melody, that day. And, uh, and you, you, you all, you have walked similar walks. I'm not trying to compare mine with them. Uh, but I felt as if I was walking in wet concrete. And dra- two feet down into wet concrete, I was dragging my legs along. And, and, and I've got all these crazy questions. Why? How? I'm the pastor. What? What did I do wrong? And and I, I, I and I'm just driving myself crazy with this this whole scenario. And and finally, uh, it comes to me there is no answer. There's only worship. And I decided that that point right there in that hallway, walking past the nurses' station, I will worship the Lord my God as we did this morning. 
And I just gave him thanks. And I just gave him thanks. And I began to thank him for my little boy and my wife and the life he had given. And I still, I still don't drug myself down that hallway. I walked into the room and I see my beautiful wife and, and I just bust into a, a million tears. And I buried my head into her chest. And she says, what's the matter? I said, Billy's going to die. And uh, she put her hands on my head and I remember it so clearly. And she says this to me, everything will be just fine. Those words have rung in my ears many, many times over as we walk through many things just as you have. Everything truly is going to be just fine. It's not because of the condition of our baby. As a matter of fact, when I came home on my birthday a few months later, she was holding Billy in her arms and he had passed away few moments before. And she told me again, she says, and everything's going to be just fine. I found right there that you can truly worship God and thank the Lord and open up this incredible, beautiful gift that will give us a peace that the world cannot give and a peace that passes all understanding. And you would think, oh my goodness, the pastor's child has died. and Isn't that a horrible testimony to her faith and whatever? And we all have a zillion and one questions, and I have zero answers except I will give the Lord my God worship and praise and thanksgiving in the midst of every one of my situations. But interestingly, here, here's what happened. People began to come to our church saying, I want, in those days, what that young couple has. I want that peace that that little pastor has. And I want that peace that that little mom has in the midst of their darkest days. We went on to have a, a second child, and her name was Katie third child. And uh, Katie is with her little brother in heaven today as well. Someone told us an incredible story one time that they got a chance to see heaven. And when they went to heaven, they saw there was a nursery there. And this individual said, what a strange deal. Why would there be a nursery in heaven? Aren't we all adults in heaven? Aren't we all mature in heaven? And the angel told this lady in this vision or dream, said, oh, no, these little babies are waiting for their mother and father so that they'll have the opportunity to raise their own children here in heaven. Now, I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but I'm looking forward to one day hugging my kids again and holding my kids again. And I tell you what, I live for that. I live for it. Well, we decided after the birth of our third child, who passed away as well, Katie, that uh, it'd probably be best to have Connie's uh, tubes tied. Let's don't have any more kids. And uh, they said our chances of having a healthy child was so slim. The first one was lucky, as they said. And uh, so we did that. But when we arrived in Ecuador as missionaries to Cuenca, Ecuador, um, 
Connie comes to me one day, and she says, Billy, she says, um, uh, see, they call you Billy all the time. I'm usually, when I'm doing something really good or really bad, that's when I got to call it Billy. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, they call me Billy a lot. But anyway, they, she, she, uh, she says, um, uh, the Lord wants to give me a baby boy. I said, oh, well, okay, uh, let's adopt one. She goes, no, no, no. You see, I saw in my dream a blue-eyed, blonde-haired baby boy. So we're not going to adopt one of those down here. And so uh, she says, there's a doctor that just was trained in the States, just moved back to Ecuador, who did tubal reversals, tubal ligation reversals in the United States, and he's looking to do his very first one here in Ecuador. What do you think? I said, I said, no way. I, I cannot go through this again. I mean, so you get the tubes reversed. I mean, uh, but that's not going to change anything. We're still the high risk. She says, no, I had a dream. And then this woman from my church who did not know me at all, she had just recently arrived, and she says, Brother Bill, I saw you holding a blue-eyed, blonde-haired baby boy. She had no clue of what was going on in my life. And I thought, oh, my gosh, the Lord's speaking to me, and I really don't want to hear it, but okay. And so Connie takes off to Quito and finds this doctor. And sure enough, he is able to put it all back together. I don't know if he was a doctor or a plumber, but he did his job. Once she is reconnected, we're all adults here, right? This woman wore me out. She's in, what, about uh, six weeks, eight, eight weeks pregnant, something like that. And uh, her body's wanting to abort this child. And so she leaves. We leave the doctors. And as we're wa- walking out the, the office, he taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around, sort of shocked. He says, come back and see me. Whisper to me, come back and see me. So I took Connie home. I, I didn't say anything to Connie. I knew it was something that he did. And, and back in those days, you know, they told family things that they didn't tell the patients. And so she um, uh, I went back to his office. He says, listen, I need to abort that baby now. She goes, the blood to the placenta has been cut off. I give you zero chances of being. And uh, Mateo, we got your story, buddy. This is your story as well. He says, they have no, no chance of giving this baby uh, a healthy birth. And, I don't, and, if, and your wife is going to die in the process if we don't do something and I, and I said, I, I said, I already know my wife. She is not going to abort this baby. She's not going to do it. And so why add the added stress to her? And so now I'm thinking, okay, now this is on my watch. I'm about to kill my wife. And um, but in my mind, wrong these words. Everything is going to be just fine. And the peace that passes all understanding would guard your heart 
their bodies in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. But I remember every day I would go, while she was in bed rest, I would go and I would put my hands on her uh, belly. And I would pray, baby, hang on. Baby, just hang on. And, uh, and today, Connie and I have uh, a 24-year-old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby boy that's healthy as a rock. <laughs> and just two weeks ago, while we were traveling through Kentucky, we went uh, to the cemetery. And we stood uh, at the grave of our two babies. And we both said together, everything is just fine. I don't expect you to understand that. And you know why? Because it's a peace that passes all understanding. Let me finish. Oh, it's 12. What a dilemma. I'm, I'm late anyway, right? Okay, thank you. Now you're going to be late too. So anyway, let me, let me tell you this. My son... Uh, and his new little uh, bride from Alabama, a truly southern belle, they are missionaries in the Amazon region of South America. My daughter and her husband, that firstborn, they are missionaries in the Amazon region of South America. And our four little grandbabies serve in the Amazon region of uh, Ecuador. They're reaching into the Shuar Indians, a tribe of 100,000 people, some 500 villages, and 80% have yet to hear the gospel. And they get in canoes, and they travel uh, hours and, and walk. And my son is a, a bush pilot, you know, fly into little villages. And there is a tribe of Indian people, indigenous people, that's on the very frontier of Ecuador. Uh, they live the deepest, uh, of the deepest in the Amazon region of Ecuador, the rainforest. And they're called the Tatumanani. The Tatumanani... Um, is a small nation of, of people. And um, the last time someone tried to reach them with the, with the gospel was in 1989. And the two missionaries flew into, with a little airplane into a, a landing ship that was a few days away. And they walked three days to reach the Tatamanani. And as soon as they approached the Tatamanani, the Tatamanani immediately killed them. They martyred them. No one has ever survived first contact with the Tatamanani. No one. People have gone in to look for oil, lumber, investigators, uh, people just wanting to study uh, their uh, sociology. No one has ever survived first contact. They kill anyone at first contact. So my son, he is a kid. This blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby boy, the one you're supporting, by the way, <laughs> he says, uh, he's, he's a big boy, <laughs> he says, Dad, I have a plan to reach the Talmanani. He said, why don't you try a job at Walmart? He says, they don't have soap. 
Because these villagers do not have salt. And he says, he's been taking in 30 and 40 pounds of soap at a time, hiking two to three days. He says, and when, in a, in a backpack, and when they run into someone either along the river or along the path, they will offer them soap. They don't know what soap is. They understand about washing, but they don't understand what soap can do for you with the antibiotics and the, and the perfume that's in it. And, and we'll give a, he says, Dad, we'll give a quick soap presentation. And they'll smell their hands. I don't know, ever for the, ever, when you come in after you, your hands are greasy and you wash them, how squeaky clean it feels. Can you imagine never, ever having that feeling? Matter of fact, the World Health Organization tells us when soap is introduced to a community, you will save half of the children's lives. Amazing. We take it so for granted, don't we? He says, so I show them how to wash their hands in soap right there on the path or along the river. And then I will say, uh, would you like to have the bar of soap? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, well, if you want, we can come to your village, ask the chief if we can come in, and we'll give everybody soap. And, and every time, they say, oh, yeah, 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 we'll do it. They run, grab the chief or an elder of the village, run back and say, come on in. He said, it happens every single time. They go back into the little village. And they show them how to wash with soap and how it feels and how it smells. And then he says this, now if you want, I can come back tonight in the communal hut and I will teach you about a soap that will wash your soul. And uh, he says, Dad, every time we get the invitation to come back, and I'll tell them about the blood of Jesus that will wash away the guilt in the sin, in the condemnation, and not just the soil that's upon your hands. And he says, Dad, and every time the whole village says, I want that soap. Then they come back and they'll dig a well. They'll start discipling individuals. And he says, Dad, I'm just, just a, less than a month ago, he says, we've now pushed back beyond the shuar. We're now entering among the Akshwar. And then he says this, and Dad, my next stop is the Talmanani. And my mind wants to raise the doubts and the questions. But in my heart rises the voice of my wife saying, everything will be just fine. understand what I'm saying. I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't I know. And I don't know what price. Just to go there is an incredible price. Just to get there. I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this. Every single thing will be just fine. Would you stand with me this morning? Spanish too, can you? I'll drag him off. This morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. What is it what is the thing that's robbing you of your peace? And your peace of mind. Your emotional stability. 
Well, I have an incredible offer for you today. It's a gift. It's an incredible gift. It's not my gift. It comes from Christ himself. As a matter of fact, the gift is already there. It's, it's right there. All you have to do is open it. 